Welcome to the On Deck Circle, a weekly podcast setting the table with lively baseball banter from two guys who love America's pastime. Let's talk baseball. Welcome back into the On Deck Circle podcast. This is episode 15 for the week of May 28th, 2023. Alex, how are we doing this week? Doing pretty good. Um, coming in hot after the holiday weekend. Some might call this a mile marker. It is indeed. And today, not only are we going to have our good, bad, and ugly, we're going to go back to Baseball 101 and kind of talk about some basic things pertaining to baseball. One of you that listens regularly contacted us and asked us to discuss something on our podcast, and so we're going to do that indeed. We're also going to look back at some picks that we made in our third episode about who we thought would win the World Series and would win the divisions and earn wild cards. And we're at a pretty good part, point in the season, like you said. And so let's take a minute and we're going to look at that, as well as look ahead to this upcoming weekend's games, which, spoiler alert, we're going to be going to. We are. So without further ado, let's lead off our podcast with our first segment. Leading off. And as always in this slot, we look over some good, bad, and ugly items that have happened over the weekend. Alex, why don't you lead us off with your good for some reason, I have a sneaky suspicion you're going to make me feel bad about this good this week, but I am unapologetically uh, in the bandwagon of the Oakland Athletics. I want to give them a shout out as the worst team in baseball, but they are my good for the week because they are on their first winning streak of the season. Whoop, whoop. Over the weekend, they played the Atlanta Braves of all teams. And they won games two and three in game three. They won it in walk-off fashion. And a proverbial block party of all dozen or so fans that came out to the game uh, in Oakland celebrated the fact that the Oakland A's are on a win streak for the first time in 2023. So my Oakland A's are not my Oakland A's, but the Oakland A's are my good for the week. All right. All right. Uh, My good from the week is... uh Two players that reached the same milestone, not just this week, but also a couple weeks ago. Two closers. Two closers that pitched for the Atlanta Braves at one time who secured this milestone against the Atlanta Braves. Kind of stay in mind here. here. Here comes a theme of my good, bad, and ugly. Craig Kimbrell, Kenley Jansen, both over the last week or two, picked up their 400th career save. Craig Kimbrell broke in with the Braves. Kenley Jansen played for the Braves last year. Both of them, Kenley Jansen now pitching for the Red Sox, Craig Kimbrell now pitching for the Phillies, secured their 400th save against the Atlanta Braves. The fact that they got them against the Braves is just kind of a common denominator. It's just kind of an interesting tidbit. It's an interesting fact, yes. But for both of those men to get 400 career saves is is quite an achievement, especially in a day and age where we almost have a closer by committee approach now. We don't, we rarely have a guy who is going to be the guy to get the save every single time. I mean, I remember back in the days when there were 60 and 70 save guys. So here we have these two guys that, that racked up 400 career saves and they're kind of neck and neck with each other to see who's going to edge the other one out for most all time career saves. Talk about an ultimate last man standing battle. Craig Kimbrell, Kenley Jansen, my good from the last week. Can I just give you a quick scenario? And I want your gut gut answer. Don't think about it. Phillies are up one, ninth inning. Craig Kimbrell's coming in. Do you feel good or bad about that situation? 
I'm probably reaching for some uh, Pepsid. Yeah, Pepsid. Pepto while at the same time drinking some Mountain Dew. Good combo. I like it. Okay, that <laughs> that that sums it up. I like it. Just shy of Mentos and Coke. <laughs> Love it. Anyway, all right. So your bad for the week is. Well, again, I, I keep going on the soapbox ran against my umpires, and this week I saw it again. We got to the end of the game in two different games, two different umpires, and we've got our position players in, again, pitching and closing out the game in the eighth and ninth inning because the games are so lopsided. Well, these two particular pitchers that I saw, and again, I, I don't have the names right in front of me, but I, I, I've watched the videos of it. Uh, one was with the Orioles, I believe. And it was th- probably Ryan McKenna. That sounds right. Ryan McKenna. And uh, his strategy, along with his other pitcher or infielder who's now pitching, was to lob the ball kind of slow pitch softball style. An EFAS pitch. Yeah. Into the strike zone. It's going a balmy 40 something miles an hour. And the loft on the pitch is so high and it's coming in on the pitch tracker. It's tracking it as crossing the batter or crossing home plate at the eye level of the batter. But because it's on a downward trajectory, the catcher is catching it in the strike zone or what looks it appears in the strike zone. And guess what? The umpire was calling them all strikes. At that point in the game, the umpire is ready for hot dog. And if and he may very well have been, and he's probably totally within his right to be in you know the mood for a hot dog. And I think I just have seen about enough. And I was just telling you before we went live on this episode, I think I want to see the rule change proposed when you bring in a position player to pitch and close out the game, you have surrendered. A mercy rule? You have surrendered, and you are done playing baseball for that day. Wow. And so... You know, people want to know, you know, game's not over till the fat lady sings. Well, guess what? When the second baseman comes in, the fat lady is singing. It's not over till the position player pitches. Exactly. And when that happens, it's done. Go to your cars. It's time to head home. I'm just, I'm, I'm done with that. And again, the, I mean, it was, it was comical because these strikes are at the head level and they're being called uh, strike one, strike two, strike three, and Ryan McKenna is going in the you know the book with a with a strikeout because these guys are swing aren't going to be swinging at pitches over their head. Anyway, that's my bad for the week, and it continues to be a consistent theme uh, for me this season. All right, my bad is shifting to the announcing booth. Ooh, because over the weekend I saw an infield fly rule put into effect. Where the, where the fielder did not catch the ball. He actually let it drop. And the announcers were like, why did he do that? Just because it's the infield fly roll didn't mean he had to let it drop. Now all these common fans just watching baseball perhaps for the first time are like, wait a minute, I thought you were supposed to catch the ball when it was in the air. Wait a minute, I thought the runners were supposed to run as soon as the ball was hit, especially if it's on the ground. How come nobody's running? How come the ball's dead? How come the ball's going back to the pitcher? What in the world? And I just thought to myself, you know what? For all of the well-educated baseball fans out there. Some of them haven't made it into the booth. There's a lot of them that probably don't understand the infield fly rule. And there's probably a lot of position players in baseball that should just exert the effort and catch the ball. As soon as the infield fly rule is called, which, by the way, happens when there's runners on first or second, less than two outs, first, second, or third, bases loaded, or men on first and second, and less than two outs, 
if there is a fly ball hit that is reasonably catchable by an infielder, infield fly rule is called. And when the infield fly rule is called, the batter is out. The runners are able to advance at their own peril. And so this particular second baseman, Brandon Drury for the Angels, let the ball drop. The runners who were on first and second stayed put, and everybody was just kind of staring at each other. Like the fielders were daring the runners to take off, and the runners were daring the fielder to throw the ball back to the pitcher. It's genius. You never see that. We never see the guy drop the ball and try to catch batters, you know, kind of in between the bases. We always just kind of just take those, you know, take those plays for granted. So I I don't know. I kind of give, I give the player a lot of credit for letting it drop and trying to maybe catch somebody napping in my mind the better play if you're going to try and outthink the offense would be to take a line drive that's screaming at you let it drop and get an easy double play and we see that sometimes not on the screaming not on the screaming because sometimes those are hard to judge but like on the on the soft line out to the I've, shortstop i've never seen the shortstop intentionally drop it oh. and then go to second for two Never. Even even like third baseman, like you get a screamer at the hot corner, they catch it, throw the ball back to second base. It's not a catch until you have a clean transfer. So if they catch the ball, drop it on the ground, and they never made an effort to transfer the ball, it's not a catch. Well, you don't need to, you don't need a clean transfer, do yes, you? Yes, you do. Because I just – is that different for outfielders? In order for it to be a catch – the because fielder I was watching must a, have possession of the ball. I was watching a Texas Rangers player just the other day. He was running it on the fly, caught the ball as he was going to throw it back in, kind of dropped the ball trans, you know, in, 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 in the transition or whatever. Bradder was out. They threw it back in, and it was all she wrote. Yeah, it's a judgment call on the umpire. Well, anyway. Just, Do you want to know a judgment call overall, with that rule? Just the overall ignorance of, of many MLB fans and announcers was my bad for the week. Speaking of judgment call, how far out does the infield go on an infield fly rule? Because a, again, it, I watch it, it has to be a ball that is reasonably catchable with and, I, and the wording in the rule book is a fly ball that is able to be caught by an infielder with ordinary effort. Okay. Because I just like some of these, some of these. So like if a second baseman, second basemans, they go a long ways. If a second baseman is streaking out into left field, trying to get a fly ball. And he's like covering hundreds and hundreds of feet. That's not ordinary effort. That's true. If he's backpedaling for a few feet and he's under the ball, he's able to catch it. That's ordinary effort. Uh, because jam, if I was if a I, Spencer Torkelson fly ball to second base, that is ordinary effort. Yeah, I, I just it, it's interesting because you if you don't if you don't know a lot about baseball and you hear the infield fly rule, you might just think that it's where the dirt ends. That's the infield and it's over. But yeah, anyway, it goes a little further. We'll talk about Baseball 101 a little bit more in our next segment, but we now transition to the ugly. Alex, I've heard you've got a pretty good ugly for this week. I do. I do. I'm going to take ourselves... Does it involve amateur baseball? It does involve amateur baseball. From the state of New York? The Finger Lakes region of New York. Hornell High School was up 5-4 to in the bottom of the ninth of the state championship against high school Palmyra Macedon, shortened to Palmac. Let me guess, infield fly rule? Better. As uh, one local newspaper called it, the bizarre dropped third strike rule was implemented. (laughs) Palmyra Macedon was down to their last strike, and they had a runner on second base. The pitch was made. Catcher dropped the ball. It's 5-4. Remember that. Catcher dropped the ball on the third strike. 
which means that the catcher either has to tag the runner or has to complete the strikeout by throwing it down to first base. The catcher attempted to tag the runner and missed him. The umpire called him safe, which means he then needs to complete the strikeout by throwing it down to first base. Catcher is confused. Meanwhile, all the infielders, including the pitcher, start to celebrate the state championship that they have won, and the catcher joins in in the festivities. While they're celebrating, the runner from second crosses home plate, ties the game at five. The batter, who was missed on the tag, rounded all the bases and came and scored the game-winning run 6-5 to five for Palmyra Macedon. Palmyra Macedon won the state championship 6-5 to five as Hornell High School celebrated. Premature celebration. Premature celebration. So, Hornell High School, I mean, I guess they're the ugly for the week. Palmyra Macedon, they could almost be the good for the week. Way to finish the play. And uh, unfortunately, it happened in a terrible, terrible a situation. It's not all that. I, I I take issue with that local newspaper. It's not that bizarre of a rule, and it's not implemented. It's always in play. Exactly. It's not and like you're invoking the fifth. No, exactly. It's not some like obscure rule that the umpire just let play out. No, that's a pretty common thing. If you got to catch the strike as a catcher, and if you don't, you either have to tag the runner or complete the strikeout. And the catcher knew that because if you watch the catcher's body language, he's confused. And then kind of gets caught up in the celebration and around and around the bases they went. So there's two pieces to a drop third strike that often throw people for a loop. Number one, the umpire is always going to signal if it's a drop third strike. If it's a drop third strike, the umpire is not going to ring the batter up. And he didn't in the video. If uh, If you Google it and you watch, umpire doesn't ring the batter up. The second thing is first base has to be open in order for a drop third strike to have to warrant a throw down to first base. If there's a runner on first base and it's a drop third strike, the batter's out. If first base is open, then if the batter makes an effort to run down to first base, he has to be thrown out by the catcher. The other confusing aspect to this is if the batter turns around and walks back to the dugout, Yes. technically the catcher doesn't have to throw down. And if you watch the Major League Baseball players, when there's a drop third strike, they never run down to first base unless they think they have a shot at getting to first. So I don't blame these high schoolers. It was kind of sad, particularly because it was the championship game. The biggest thing about that play, though, was that the batter was the one who scored the winning run. It was I mean, crazy. How many times do you see the batter make it all the way around the bases on a drop third strike? And yeah. I would imagine... Okay. There, there was one infielder that was trying to get his teammates' attention. Like, guys, 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 game's not over. Nobody was paying attention to him. Nobody was yeah. looking at him. And you're right. The batter came all the way around to score. It was pretty crazy. Anyway, so. Definitely an ugly. Hornell High School, maybe next year. Well, you're good is another man's ugly, particularly my ugly. I, I am going to highlight the Oakland A's as an ugly team because it was discussed this past week that the Oakland A's are on pace to finish 30 and 132. That would shatter the record for the worst team ever. The record right now is held by the 2003 Detroit Tigers, who went 43 and 119. So they would shatter the record by over 10 games. Ugh, that is ugly. However, my ugly was that the Braves, one night after obliterating the Phillies, got destroyed by the A's out in Oakland. The, a, the, uh, the Braves 
had like another rollover and play dead experience. It was like they were taking lessons from the Rangers this past weekend or a couple weekends ago. So my ugly Oakland A's, I mean, yes, they've won two, but come on, let's see if we can get that win streak going. Let's let's let Detroit stay as the worst team ever in baseball history. We, we don't need to supplant them. That was my ugly for the week. We're done with our good, bad, and ugly. Let's move on to segment number two. Now on deck. And this week we want to follow up with something that one of our faithful listeners pointed out to us. They asked us a question, Alex. They said, hey, something you talk about on your podcast is why when I'm watching baseball, I will see a play and then I'll hear something like, oh, yeah, that was a 5-4-3 double play. What's up with that? So, Alex, what is up with that? They're locker combinations for the local YMCA. And if you go to your local YMCA and pop those codes in, you'll pop open a random locker and there'll be money inside. Yikes. Just kidding. So in baseball, we have positions, right? I mean, shortstop, third base, first base, and then you have outfielders like a center fielder or a right fielder, the pitcher and the catcher. Well, for scorekeeping purposes, all of them are assigned numbers. So the pitcher is number one. The catcher is number two. First base is three, second base is four, third baseman is five, the shortstop is six, left field is seven, center field is eight, right field is nine. And so when we are talking about plays taking place in the infield or the outfield and you hear something like, you know, that that, that went down as an eight unassisted. Well, that means the center fielder caught the ball and the inning was over. Or, or yeah, an, or F, a, an F8. Or an F8, yep. Or, or if you have a three unassisted, that means the first baseman fielded the ball and took the ball to the bag and the runner was out. If you have something like a 6-4-3 double play, that means the ball originated, it went to the shortstop who threw the second baseman who threw the first baseman. Exactly. It's not It's not all that complicated, but again, I think you made a good point. It goes back, it's a scorekeeper thing. If you go into any Major League Baseball stadium, right after you walk through the main gate, there will be somebody that's selling you scorebooks. Or ridiculously like, uh, overpriced Ridiculously overpriced one. They'll have information about the home team and some other things, but in there, they'll have a scorecard or a score like a sheet where you can track with the professionals each play of the game you can fill in the lineup card you can fill all this in and you only have for each at bat little squares in the innings to fill this stuff in and how are you you're not going to be able to you know write a diary here so you can't write oh batter grounded out to the second baseman who tossed it to the third or the tour shortstop who then threw it to first base and recorded the double play no we need something simple so we need a four six three double play or six four three we kind of know what that means and so it's a way to just simplify um, the scorekeeping records for the game and so you know it's easy to put in oh it was a line out to the left fielder so it was an l7 and you're like, okay, that's that's easily interpreted. Yeah. And so yeah. there was there was a book my uncle gave me growing up called The Joy of Keeping Score. I still have it. It's an amazing book and it walks through like how to keep score at a baseball game. If you get an opportunity to go to a baseball game, whether it's a high school baseball game, a minor league baseball game, or a major league baseball game, take a scorecard along, get a scorecard. And work at keeping score. It's it's fun to help keep you in the game yep. and uh, aware of what's taking place on the field. Keeping score is a really fun thing to do in baseball, and you really can't do it in any other sport. No. It's, the, it's the, really closest, the closest it comes, and I'm just thinking this in my head right now, like we just golf. had the... Yeah, golf. Yeah, you have you know the, the golfer signs off on his scorecard at the end of a round. 
And that's pretty much the closest thing. Now, that's easy enough. There's just the strokes on each hole. There's so much more information, though, that's on a scorecard for baseball. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it, I wouldn't want to do it every time I go to the ballpark, but it is fun to just like, hey, we're going to sit. We're going to, you know, kind of track the action and see how, you know, and, and you know, it's kind of a challenge and an enjoyable thing all at the same time. It is indeed. And sometimes you'll even hear an announcer say, oh, yeah, the scorekeeper ruled that A. Yeah. Because there is an official scorekeeper for these things. So anyway. We will say this, though. You might think like, oh, these guys are just blowing smoke when they say, hey, if you want us to talk about something, let us know. I, we'll give a shout out to Dan. Dan reached out to us, one of our faithful listeners. And hey, we brought up his uh, brought up his request on the podcast. So we do listen to our listeners. That's right. So message us, reach out to us, let us know if there's any topics you want us to discuss in baseball. All right, let's move on to our third segment for this week. In the hole. As Alex mentioned, we have passed Memorial Day, and that's one of the landmarks of the season. Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day. We want to look back at some things that we said oh, about two and a half months ago. When we were looking over playoff teams and uh, opportunities, and we kind of want to see how we're feeling about those picks right now. So let me just walk through the division leaders right now. And then, Alex, why don't you tell us what our picks were for the various divisions, and then we can kind of discuss how we're feeling. All right, so right now in the National League, the Atlanta Braves are four games ahead in first place in the NL East. The Milwaukee Brewers are a game ahead in first place in the NL Central. The Dodgers are a game and a half in first place in the NL West. The Tampa Bay Rays are three games up in the American League East. Minnesota Twins, two games up in the AL Central. And the Texas Rangers are three games up in first place in the AL West. Alex, who did we have winning these divisions? Honestly, we haven't done that bad, uh, all things considered. I had the Braves in the original pick. You had the Phillies. And so we'll talk about how some of these have aged in a minute. And so that's not all that surprising. I had the Brewers in the National League Central. Uh, you had the Cardinals, uh, which... They've actually been getting hot in the last week or so, but they still have a little ways to go. Um, you had the Dodgers in the National League West, and uh, I had the Padres. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the AL East, not only did we not have them in the division, uh, we didn't have them in the wild card either. So neither one of us had the Rays. Uh, I had Toronto. You had Baltimore. Baltimore is a better pick. Uh, they're in second place still. And then um, AL Central. AL Central. Twins. We uh, both had the twins, right? We both had the twins, and so we're good there. And then, Although it should be noted, the Detroit Tigers are in second place, only two games back of first place. As it stands right now. It's a battle for who doesn't want first place at this point in that division. Uh, it is a slugfest. All right, so continue with the West. Astros. We were both on the Astros, and... Although I will say I had the Rangers in the wild card, and so I, they were on my radar as a team to watch, but I didn't have them winning the division. Um, the Astros, our wild card picks right now. If the do we do you have a current standings? If the season ended today, who would be in the wild card? So in the American League, the wild card teams would be Baltimore, New York Yankees, Houston Astros. In the National League, the wild card would be Arizona. And then we have a three-way tie right now between Miami, the Mets, and the Giants. Yeah, wow, wow. And so, uh, yeah, we had the Yankees. We both had the Yankees. 
Uh, I had the Guardians, you had the Angels, uh, the Rangers, the Blue Jays for you, and then uh, the NL Wild Card, uh, Mets, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, and then you had Mets, Padres, Diamondbacks. And so it's kind of a, you know, we, we didn't, we had to do half bad with our picks. I'd be curious for you. Is there one pick if you could like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I could redo one pick, which one would you redo? I mean, there might be several for each of us, but if like you could pick one, what would it be? Yeah, honestly, it would probably be in the NL Central. Cardinals right now are in last place in the division, four and a half games back. I would probably either go with Pittsburgh or Cincinnati to repick that. Cincinnati is a fun team to watch. And they're going to get more fun, baby. Ellie De La Cruz is coming. Ellie Cincy, De La Cruz is coming. Cincy has a lot of really good, really... T- I mean, to me, they are like watching the NL Central version of the Diamondbacks. Yeah. They got some good pitching. Nick, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, Hunter Green, three good arms. Their bullpen is okay. Their offense is scrappy. Joey Votto's got to come back at some point. They kind of feel like the Orioles. Hey, watch it. No. That's a compliment. A lot of young talent. A lot of young talent. You, you were probably thinking that I would repick the Phillies pick. However, at this point last year, the Phillies were almost in the exact same spot they're in right now. And they yeah. came back and got a wild card, and they went all the way to the World Series. So so I'm, I'm going to let the Thompson train keep riding. Yeah. Because no, I'm not ready to throw in my towel on them quite yet. Yeah, if I could go back, I still wasn't going to pick the Dodgers no matter what. But if I could get rid of the Padres and slide the Diamondbacks into the division winner, I probably would do that. The Diamondbacks are only a game and a half out right now. Yeah, the Diamondbacks are playing solid. Again, um, it's we knew Zach Gallen was good. We knew Merrill Kelly was above average. And we didn't know much else about that rotation. Um, the rookie, I can't remember his first name, but Fat, F-P-F-A-A-D-T or whatever it is. Uh, anyway, Brendan fate, fate, fat, fate. <laughs> there you go. He, uh, he's kind of solidified a third spot in that rotation. And so they're pretty decent. They hit a lot of home runs. Like we thought Evan Longoria is really hot right now of all the people in the league, stealing a lot of bases even. Exactly. And so the diamondbacks, they've just been really, really solid. And so I, I obviously neither one of us were on the Rays. That was a mistake. But the Rangers even, I think, have been a surprise. I mean, AL West, they're they're leading the division by three games over the Astros. The Angels are seven games back. I What's mean, the Rangers run dif- differential as of right now? Plus 132. Yeah, they're good. They hit a lot of they score a lot of runs and don't underestimate. I mean, Bruce Bochy, who's a Hall of Fame caliber manager, he was retired for three years and he came out of retirement to coach and manage the Texas Rangers. They're so, eight and two over their last 10. So they're definitely hot right now. You got to show something when you're like getting a guy off the couch. That's been on the couch for three years to come back and manage. So by and, the way, so your good was the Oakland A's because they have a two game winning streak. They'd lost their last since eight prior the sar- to that. Since the sarcasm, since <laughs> the sarcasm. <laughs> that's crazy. No, I hear you. It's uh, I think it's not that bad. I think I think we did pretty decent with our picks. It'll be interesting. Um, do we want to? Are we? By the way, temperature check on the Yankees. They're now only five games back in the division. They've passed the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. The Yankees are going places. Can Seven I, and three over their stat? last ten. 
Can I give you a stat that I saw yesterday? Aaron Judge is still proving you wrong, hitting bombs of epic proportions, robbing people of home runs. So last year, Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs, tying the American League, breaking the American League record for most home runs hit in a regular season. On May 31st, he had 18 home runs in 2022. In 2023, on May 31st, he has 18 home runs. Are we going to see a duplicate of 62 home runs again this Mm. summer? Seems likely. And so Aaron Judge is hot. Uh, Yeah. uh, Ever since the stare seen around the world, he's been creaming and mashing the ball in all different cities. So anyway, I think we should revisit these at the 4th of July or the All-Star break. Oh, yeah. And we can do some repicks if we feel like it's necessary. Oh, you know we're going to. All right. Well, that's our look back. Now let's look ahead. Batting cleanup. Our fourth and final segment, as we do every episode, is to look ahead to this upcoming weekend's matchups. Uh, As a Phillies fan, this weekend is so tantalizing to me because the Phillies go to Washington to play three games against the Nationals. And if there's one team that is a really great, just feel good, let's go play these guys because it'll give you a confidence booster, it's the Nationals. They're a scrappy team. They're a good team. They have some good players. Their pitching has been decent. However, Trey Turner's going back to the Nationals to play in Nationals Park. The Phillies have to right the ship at some point. And then after the Nationals, the Phillies go home. And the Phillies get to play another really good place a really good feel good if you want a confidence booster to get back on the right track this is 1a the the nationals are one this team is 1a none other than the detroit tigers and and alex and i are actually going to be going to that game on monday so there's going to be all sorts of fun stuff we might actually do a live recording at citizens bank park just to kind of document what's taking place and some other things we might have coming up down the pike but i'm really excited about this weekend i I think this is the weekend that's going to make or break Philly season. If they don't get over 500 this weekend against these two teams, if they don't, if they don't do better than three and three against these guys, I I don't know what I'm going to do. Philly radio next week is going to be nuts. If the Phillies can't put it together against the nationals and the tigers, that's one matchup I'm looking forward to. What about you, Alex? I got to pick myself up off the carpet over here because are you, you just, looking forward to the Tigers Phillies matchup? Proverbially, just slapped me around the studio right there, going after my Tigers like that. I'm also looking forward to the Detroit and the Detroit and Philly just because they're in town and I get to go to a game, which I'm super excited about. However, I think there's far more intriguing matchups around the league this weekend. Uh, the New York Yankees are in L.A. at Dodger Stadium, and so you have the hot team and the Yankees playing one of the best teams in the National League and the Dodgers. That's just a classic matchup. It's good. Time- Timeless so, teams. Yeah. Again, possible possible World Series preview implications. We just don't know. But yeah, that's a big one. I'm also in a National League matchup that's intriguing. Atlanta is in Arizona. They're going to the desert. Atlanta coming off of uh, two two losses in Oakland are, are undoubtedly looking to rebound, but they're playing Arizona, who's much better than the Oakland A's. And so that's uh, that's an interesting matchup. And then the last one is it's an interleague matchup. Uh, the, I'm going to call it the Battle of the Orange. Both teams, if the season ended today, would be in the playoffs. Baltimore goes to San Francisco. Ooh. San Francisco has just flown the Battle of the Bays, Old Bay, 
versus Chesa- the Bay City. Chesapeake Bay versus, you know, whatever. And so anyway, I just San Francisco has just flown under the radar all season. And all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, they're if the season ended today, the they're they're gonna be in a playoff game or they're gonna at least be in a, a one game playoff. I'm gonna give shout outs to both them and you mentioned them, the Marlins. Just kind of Jorge Soler is tearing it up right now. Jorge Soler, and he was my good until I wanted to do the funny with the Oakland A's because Jorge Soler is just ripping the cover off the ball. At one point, he had he had homered what in eight eight straights four or four five straight excuse me, but he's a what he's got eighteen home runs on the season right now or something like that. It's just very yeah very underrated. So but. the other matchup that I don't think you mentioned is the Angels and Astros. Uh, that's a compelling matchup. Two potent offensive teams, two teams with some good starting pitching, some really explosive arms coming out of the bullpen for both the Astros and the Angels. Uh, I also have the Atlanta Diamondbacks series highlighted as well. Uh, again, that's just going to be a great rebound series for the Braves or a great like, hey, we belong here for the Diamondbacks. And uh, like you said, the the Dodgers-Yankees, the Dodgers are 19 and 7 at home. That's their a good, their a good pitching staff has the best ERA in baseball at home this season. They have the 28th worst pitching ERA on the when road. When they're on the road. Well, we'll two see totally what different teams. To say about that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting cuz the Yankees are 15 and 10 on the road. So, they're a good road team, but what are they going to be able to do in Dodger Stadium? That remains to be seen. We will see that. All right, and that is our look ahead as we consider the intriguing matchups. We are looking forward, like we said, to going to the Tigers-Phillies game next week. We'll have all sorts of feedback in our good, bad, and ugly on our next episode as we go to Citizens Bank Park and take in a great night of baseball. Hopefully, there will be lots of runs scored, lots of exciting opportunities. Hopefully, we don't have to deal with any awkward replay situations or any oddball things like that, but just a great time enjoying the game of baseball. Get out this weekend and pick up a a baseball game somewhere. As always, thanks for liking and sharing our podcast. Share it with a friend. Share it with some family members that need to be a part of this conversation and give us some feedback. If there's topics or things you'd like us to discuss you can follow us on our social media pages we have facebook and twitter just look for the links in our spotify feed and until next week we're out of here